ho, 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 ho. Santa! Welcome to Cursed Objects, a podcast about cultural history, politics and tat. I'm Dan Hancocks, journalist and author. <laughs> and I'm Dr. Cassidy, a person who loves Christmas. <laughs> and that's just as well that you do, Kasha, because this week on Cursed Objects, it's a Cursed Objects Christmas tat special, um, and specifically a Christmas food tat special. Um, you know, this week... We'll be asking if Rudolph was the first victim of cancel culture, among other things. <laughs> We're not going to be discussing that. Um, but we have been making a Google Doc and checking it twice, and we're going to find out which material avatar of 21st century pop culture has been naughty and which one has been nice. <laughs> sort of works, doesn't it? Like a blessed versus cursed is sort of the naughty and nice. You know, we're all talking, we're talking about kind of a binary world. I just think the words naughty and nice. I just think, <laughs> I just think they feel wrong. The word naughty is abominable, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's something that no one above, if anyone sort of above the age of eight maybe is mm. described as having naughty behaviour, let alone describes themselves as a bit naughty, you're like, no, steer clear. Yeah, but I think it is a word that you can describe behaviour at certain like uh, work office parties. Sure. So maybe it's kind of relevant in that context. But doesn't it render it twee? Like what, when actually you should just be like, no, you're a gross you know, person. <laughs> no, you're like, an adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not getting away with, with naughty yeah. here. You're a creep. With you know? disgusting habits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, this week on Cursed Objects, we are the Goldman Sachs bauble on your corporate Christmas tree. We are the Nike swoosh that has been shaved into your novelty Santa beard. We are the Vicar of Dibley ironic novelty hipster Christmas jumper that was bought for you by a, by a cool uncle. Um, we are all of those things and none of them. But this week we are mostly talking about the strange products that come out in our supermarkets in December. And the one, they get, seem to get stranger every year. Uh, we've each brought in three um, items. I think Kasha may have bought even more than that. Yeah, do you um, know what? I didn't realise how many there were. So you bought all of them? Yeah, I bought all of them. <laughs> but I just didn't... I, I know that Christmas special food is mm. something that exists. Yeah. I occasionally get a festive sandwich, sure. you know, if I'm feeling... What's your favourite festive sandwich, if I can ask? Oh, um, just like one of the kind of turkey ones. But there isn't like... Because I, I, I read a piece in Time Out as preparation for this about the best Christmas sandwiches of 2021, which is, you know, valiant work by Angela Hui, who is someone I, I already admire the writing of. But she, she reckoned like the prep... And I, you know, I'm a freelance, so I don't eat office. I don't eat office Christmas sandwiches. That's not a <laughs> sentence, is it? I, I'm a freelancer. I don't eat uh, Christmas sandwiches because I'm not out and about at lunchtime enough. I'm usually making my own lunch at home. So I didn't realise that. Show my, off. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually, I'm usually thanks making Thanks for letting myself, us know, Dan. An absolutely beautiful sort of, you know, curry or something like that. You know, um, you know, <laughs> While the rest of us uh, eat our, our gruel and like pretzels. kind of sandwich. sandwich. I mean, we'll get to, I like sandwiches are actually a particularly interesting one for me this year because the few times I have been into the office at the New Humanist or the Guardian and then I've popped into like a Sainsbury's local or a prep to get um, a quick a quick sandwich lunch. There are far fewer of them than there were pre-pandemic, both the stores and also like your average Sainsbury's local in like EC1, in, you know, which for people outside London is like just an office, a you know, very white collar, sort of boring office-y mm. part of London. Um, they're just, there's only about five sandwiches in there because nobody's gone back to work, basically. That's that part of the That's economy. the real tragedy. Thanks. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> what I'm getting at here. It's just like, won't somebody think of the prawn mayos <laughs> like sandwiches? 
Um, quick shout out for the best long read in probably the Guardian's history, which is the sandwich long read. But um, that, that's by the by today because we have a whole range of Christmas treats. Before we actually open them, which we're going to be doing live on air in a, in a sort of <laughs> surprise. I mean, basically, this is our Christmas party, isn't it, Cash? Yeah. Like, that's the idea. Um, and we wanted to welcome you along to it and, you know, invite you to join us in some of the weird and wonderful mostly weird tastes that have been produced by the, by our supermarkets. Before, so, let's get festive. Yeah, let, let, I'm always saying that. That's, that's just one of my slogans. That's your catchphrase. All year yeah. round, actually. Um, before we do that, before we actually get the crisps out or whatever it is that we, you've brought along, um, can, I, can I first ask, like, what is traditional Christmas food to you? Um, what, what, both in your family or any other Christmases you may have celebrated with people, um, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if I'm about to get hit with sort of Christmas Eve carp Polish stuff, mm. but I'm a bit I'm a bit of a way off here, and, and that's even though I've got some Central European heritage, which I think shares a lot of the the same same tropes. But but tell me, what what's your Christmas meal, and what do you think? What would you ban from Christmas food, and what would you? What's your sort of absolute highlight? So I guess this is probably yeah. This is the thing that gave me the most night, most amount of nightmares about being Polish, is that <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a phrase that I've really said. It's not really a sentence I've said that Christmas often. Christmas was a nightmare. No. For you. is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, Christmas was amazing. Like Christmas was so magical. So mm. we have our Christmas on Christmas Eve. Yeah. But yeah, Christmas Eve is mainly like fish, different types of fish. So lots of pickled herring, mm. which is really good. Um, but also a bit rogue, but really good. <laughs> uh, lots of, so my mum, but the main thing I would say, if there were two things I could ban from Christmas, mm. one would be carp. So my mum makes this carp. She does it, but where, she, where's she even buying carp? I, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't to know. Heath and, like, yeah, honestly, it would, I, it would take her that long to find oh. some. So she'd find this carp and we had this like plate that looked like a fish and mm -hmm. she would, imagine if you slice a fish like, in half, not uh, lengthways, but like across. So okay. it's like these little, almost like horseshoe shapes of fish. Oh, yeah. I know she would mean. then pickle some kind of carrot and okay. then put one black peppercorn in the center. Okay. So it kind of, I don't know whether it was a kind of homage to scales or what, mm. but it looked kind of like eyes. Oh, <laughs> like oh. fish, a fish carp eye. Kind of like a 1970s kind of like nightmare kind of thing yeah. and like, I saw this like tweet tweet once that was like Polish food can't hurt you and then the Polish food is pretty much exactly what I described <laughs> it's definitely gonna hurt yeah. you basically so that's on the ban list but right. also kind of against part of me but uh vodka has to go oh, wow. on the ban list because um although I've had lots of fun with it uh, <laughs> it does make Christmas day really hard which we Ooh. also celebrate yeah so you do continue celebrations into Christmas day so what would you then eat on Christmas day british kind of a roast my mum always gets the largest turkey possible and then we eat it for like 4 days oh wow yeah. so this is like the kind of sort of expat slash second gen migrant dream of like of having sort of a you know dual heritage of sorts and like you get to you're going to hit up the the polish sort of feast on christmas eve and then the british one on christmas day yeah it was amazing like growing up it kind of felt like if your parents separate and you get christmas at either one you know christmas <laughs> eve on one and then that. christmas day on the other <laughs> so it'd be like oh we have our christmas eve where we get our presents with our like extended family and then we've yeah. got christmas day where we Get it was the, like close family. Yeah, and the Father Christmas presents. This, you know? is, this to me is a bit like 
um, celebrating as a kid, or indeed to this day, like Hanukkah and Christmas, because mm. like my mum's from a Jewish background, my dad's from a Christian background. I mean, both completely secular, but you know, they both believe in celebrating the holidays, if nothing else. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. the most important bit of any religion, I think we can agree. <laughs> um, and the spirit of the holidays. Yeah, and Hanukkah is <laughs> a, a very literally like movable feast in in the kind of calendar. So. Sometimes it'll overlap with Christmas and you'll light the Hanukkah candles at dusk, as you do every day for eight days, on Christmas Day. Um, And there are presents that go along with Hanukkah as well, Ah. though. When you're not a kid anymore, it's a bit, you know, it's like one present, not like the the other extreme. You could get a present every day, basically. Because you know what? A lot of people feel slighted as they get older because they don't (laughs) don't get the same amount of presents that they once did. I think that can lead to like holiday season disillusionment right you know? like what what is it what is it that i used to love about this time you know yeah. <laughs> like where has it all gone i mean it's not the office christmas parties apart from this one though, yes I this is the, this <laughs> is the only office christmas party that i'm and it's covid of. safe you know which i think if you're packing into an all bar one in canary wharf like <laughs> i mean that's just not safe are we not going to do that afterwards <laughs> <laughs> yeah I really hope so um so i think it's time to get some snacks out it's fairly basic, but it's a pigs in blanket flavor crisps. And as you may have discovered, there are pigs in blanket flavor lots of things yes, now. Yeah, it's yeah. quite it's become quite an easy win, I think, for the supermarkets product designers. But should we should we dive in? Let's dive in. Um, I just want to kind of add though, you're not the only one that thought of pigs in blankets flavored crisps. So, Amazing. Do we have I a have, rival one? Yeah, I've got oh a rival God. one that is the Walker's one. Okay, I've so got... So you've got the Morrison's own, I've got the <laughs> Walker's one, and maybe we can do a taste, taste sure, test. Sure, sure. Let's do it. Smoked pigs in blankets yeah. as well. I mean, one of the things I've been wondering while sort of mm. doing, preparing for this episode and doing the shopping is, like, how... How recent are these developments? Because I feel like even four years ago, you wouldn't get quite so much Christmas food tap. Yeah. Like the 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 idea... Oh, yours are crinkle. Yeah, they are. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Only the best. Okay, I'm going to try one of yours. Okay. This is the Morrison's one. I think they're good. Got a good crunch. Crinkly. Mm-hmm. Crispy. Just tastes like smoky bacon. Is it just smoky bacon? Because I think that's Mm. one of the things I want to raise here. Mm. How much of this, like, is just silly sort of repackaging Mm. of things that were exactly the same otherwise? Have you tried the Walkers? I haven't tried the Walkers yet. Okay. I wonder if this is one of those, so neither Kasha nor I are vegetarian, but I am familiar with the strange thing about crisp flavours where the vegetarian crisp flavours often have some kind of minor meat ingredient, Mm. and then the meat flavours actually are entirely vegetarian. (laughs) So I'd say mm. Mm, it's not it's not like the Walker's version is not it's not like smoky bacon. It's mm. like smoky bacon plus something. Mm. I can't work out what it is, but it's quite I mean I want to believe that that deeper flavour is a sausagey flavour that is the other mm. bit of the pigs in blanket. Mm. I think I like that better. Do really you? good texture on the Morrison's one, but it's a bit does smell a bit of dog food. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't know. Sorry, I Morrison's. Do, controversially, and I know I'm gonna get in, in shit with this, but I don't really like crisps, which I know is like, I know some people say like it's That's the, a cursed opinion. It's like, it's like right. the highlight of British cuisine is crisps. <laughs> like this is the one thing we actually do better than anyone else. Mm. And there isn't anything else apart from crisps. Okay, maybe pies or whatever. But, you know, even, even fish and chips, you can probably get better versions in like Portugal and stuff. 
um, arguably. Let's maybe we shouldn't go down this road. Controversial. <laughs> Just like Very controversial. Doing unpopular food opinions when I never really intended. Don't to. ruin Christmas. Sorry. <laughs> There's always one. Had half There's... of a session IPA <laughs> yeah. and absolutely away. Trying to fight so. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Tell me that crisps are good again. Um, okay, let's uh, let, let's have our next little snack, shall we? Okay. Um, okay. Next up, mm-hmm. are you ready for? That's right. It's mince pie Wensleydale. <laughs> Um, because the flavours <laughs> of cheese aren't enough in themselves. They have to have added, what does it say, mixed fruit, cognac and spices. Now, every Christmas, I notice that the flavoured Wensley, or rather the, the Wensleydale that has had bits of fruit added to mm. it is more ridiculous than mm. it was the year before. But this is a new low, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just not, I understand that like many cheeses benefit from being eaten with fruit or alongside fruit. Mm. Um, Sorry, this is in a very (laughs) tough black wax seal. Um, But yeah, the the idea that you should put dried versions of the fruit into the cheese, I just find abhorrent. Just have the cheese and get yourself a grape, all right? And I would say Wensleydale is probably the biggest... um, Culprit. Culprit. Agreed, yeah. (laughs) Because also, I think Wensleydale... On I'm not its a huge own, fan. it's not. It's not great. It's quite grainy. It's I not. Mean, I don't think it's personally. I don't think it's delicious. It's not. It's not one I like. No. I know. I do feel. I do feel like more defensive of British cheeses than some people do. I think, and I've had arguments with close friends and partners in the past about whether British or French cheese is better. This is quite a large slice. <laughs> yeah. <have>. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really think this through. But okay. You can see the little bits of mince pie in it. Oh my god! I look horrified. That is truly. Oh, and a bit of oh, raisin. There's genuinely bits of cake in this cheese. <laughs> well, not cake, but... It tastes cakey, though. Mm. It tastes like a cheesecake gone wrong. And really boozy. Yeah. Like surprisingly oh boozy God. for a cheese. That just hits you, like... Honestly, the tanginess of the cheese, plus mm, the cakiness of mm. the mince pie, and the clagginess of yeah. the texture, and then the booze. Mom- <clears throat> the fleeting <laughs> moment, I was like, maybe I love this. <laughs> and the, and but I don't think I do. It tastes like <laughs> if you make cheesecake from scratch, it tastes mm. like that before it's been mm. like hooked out, like the raw batter. Mm. You know, which I have eaten before. Because sure, <laughs> so. sure, because you're impatient yeah. <laughs> and you're like, it's here now. I want to try it. Yeah. I want to try it. So I actually have something that yeah. complements this kind of perfectly because I also brought some cheese. Oh wow. But I think it kind of shows off a different, shows off a different kind of curse that I've been thinking about. My main thing is I was talking, I was talking to a friend of mine and um, he was just like, I don't know what it is about the people that I work with, but they seem to think that being into cheese boards is a personality trait. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, like. I just love cheese. Oh my god, I just love cheese boards. There's just something I mean, very as someone I love cheese. Yeah, I know. Yeah, say. I would like to assemble the cheeses that I would like in my own time. I wouldn't really trust anyone else to do it. But I think like <laughs> the thing is is that like cheese is delicious, but mm. it's like there is like a certain type of person that I don't want to say is like devoid of personality because of course they have wow. a personality, but there's something about like a cultural <laughs> I don't know. It's like a culture. I've, I found it around quite a lot of like young yuppie city types. Really? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, that are just like I just love a cheese board. And, and like, who doesn't like? Everyone likes cheese, but liking a cheese board is not a personality trait. That think, is a hill you, I will die on. What do you think it's a signifier of for those people? Do you think it's is it sort of like 
I'm cultured. Uh, my food tastes are cultured. I mean, this sort of some of this maybe harks back to some of the discussions we were having around food and class and um, sort of multiculturalism and co-option and so on in the episode from series one where we talked about the Polish curry ramen noodles, which I urge you to check out. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, food is often a signifier of of how we position ourselves culturally and socially, isn't it? And mm. do you think for the cheese board wankers that they're like they're establishing their cosmopolitan sort of taste for the finer things. I think so. I think I think that, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I right. think it's like a cultural signifier. Yeah. But I think also, I think for my friend, when I was talking to him, it was also a kind of signal of kind of workplace chat, you know, mm -hmm. like in okay. the workplace, you... Like water cooler shit. Yeah, like <laughs> just that kind of like, Oh yeah, had a cheese board. Kind of like very nondescript chat <laughs> about stuff that you might be interested in vaguely on the weekend. Interestingly, like I think this might be, even though we've got more things to try, this might be a good time to bring up um, a phrase that I was reminded of when I was looking at the list of um, Christmas foods that are available from the supermarkets this year, which Witch Magazine very handily compiled for... I guess consumers, but I was looking at with a view, I was just literally scrolling down this long list of like Aldi, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Waitrose, looking for like the most cursed ones. So um, stop me if you've brought any of these, obviously. Um, but one of them, there's a trend throughout this that I want, want to talk about. There, so the ones I've written down was the Waitrose Bloody Margaret Prawn Cocktails, which are six quid for like two and contain a gin-infused jelly. Is that because of Princess Margaret? Yeah, I have no idea why it's called Bloody Margaret, then maybe that's a version of the Bloody Mary cocktail mm. or something, I'm mm. not sure. Um, but it's it's this it's this sort of garlanded, fancy ingredients that I'm interested in here. So Morrison's then, I didn't see this today, unfortunately, but they have a slow gin baking brie, which has a slow gin glaze. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, those those two items, I think, both speak to something that I'm sure there's a lot more of this in the Waitrose range. But uh, a, an idea that you can bring the most luxury ingredients down to supermarket fare, just in, but have a smidgen of them. It's like mm. how the sourdough bread, the cheaper sourdough bread that you can buy in Sainsbury's, mm. um, is actually not made from a sourdough starter. It's made in the same uh, much cheaper way, which is why the bread is cheaper. The, the sort of brown sliced or white sliced is, but they just sprinkle some sourdough flavour, <laughs> like powder mm, over the top. Mm. And there's a name for this phenomenon, which I think is fascinating, which is um, premium mediocre. Right. And it's something <laughs> that um, someone I know called Jay Owens, who's a, a friend of the show and a, um, writing a very interesting book on dust at the moment. She, uh, she, identified, she was the one that brought premium mediocre to my attention when Pret launched a lobster roll. And she was like, this is the ultimate example of premium mediocre mm. because it's 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 lobster, but it's in prayer. Yeah. Uh, and it's six quid. So, like, it is not out of the bounds of the normal prep price range. It's a little bit more expensive than mm. any of their other sandwiches. I'm sure there's not a lot of really good quality lobster in there. Mm. You know, mm. I'm sure they've done their cost uh, costings in the same way that they would for any item. Um, but it's there's something that it seems to be quite a new trend 
Um, and I'm sure another friend of the show, Daniel Wilson, um, who works at the Gross, would be able to speak to the like the growth and explosion of this sort of particular type of food stuff. But you see it loads in all the Christmas tat that we're talking mm. about, the Christmas food tat. Here's a sprinkling of like champagne. You know, mm. you might have like a champagne glaze on something that just doesn't need a glaze, mm. <laughs> like, mm. a, like a baking brie or whatever. A touch of brandy, a touch yeah. of cognac, like yeah. in this cheese. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It's really interesting because what I have brought... Oh yeah, bring bring out your next uh, next snack next, for us. So, so what's interesting is that it speaks to the exact opposite trend I oh, think than this. So it's also <laughs> cheese, but it is the Sainsbury's festive cheese selection, which I spent five pounds on. Bloody hell! Yeah, you can and expense it to cursed objects. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> please support our Patreon if you can. <laughs> um, and I think. The reason why I picked this up is that I think it kind of represents the op the opposite side of mm. Christmas in a way. So okay. it's not the premium mediocre necessarily, although maybe the idea of a cheese board is like it's something that maybe you have to do at Christmas. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's mm -hmm. an idea that what do people do at Christmas? They have cheese boards. We traditionally never had one, but we've only recently started to kind of mm. get one mm -hmm. uh, or to like make it, make it like a feature of our Christmas day. Okay. And um I think what it represents to me is a selection of probably some of the most unloved cheeses <laughs> possible. You know, if you cut one of these bad boys open, there's two Wensleydales with is, fruit. That is excessive. Two, yeah. And I think it just kind of represents to me, like, if you're going to... If you're going to eat some cheese or mm. you're going to eat something nice, I'm not saying that you need to get the champagne-encrusted creme mm -hmm. brulee mm -hmm. brie or whatever it is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But, you know, like... <laughs> If you take time to like have a look at what you might like, not in a kind of wankery way, but you know, I think what this is doing, it's signifying to a particular idea that we need something like a cheese board, but it also represents to me like convenience and exhaustion because mm -hmm. at Christmas, who's got time to go yeah. around and be like, right, I want to get this premium brie and I want to do this and I want to do that. And it really represents to me how a lot of people that do the Christmas shopping mm. are absolutely exhausted by mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. But there is a sense that maybe they need to get a cheese board and there they get certain, this. Yeah, traditions that have to be observed. Yeah. Even though... It's too it's, much. It's too much. And I mean, there's so much of the Christmas ranges are built for convenience. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, there, there's a, a lot of party food about. There's a lot of, like, just shove these in the oven on a baking tray for half an hour, you know, from... I was about to say volivants, but I don't think you should roast volivants. That's not how they work, is it? But I was looking at Morrison's earlier today. There was, um, yeah, they had, they had volivants, which seems quite old school in the 70s, mm. uh, as a just ready to serve. It's quite Marks and Spencer's as well, just like, you know, maybe Maybe warm, warm in the oven. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Warm up these, like, cheese... Um, fingers is that a thing? I feel like I've made those up. Or like, or like, or like, um, yeah, like there's a lot of sweet chili sauce around in these mm. sort of instant meals as well, which I think just speaks to the fact that people think they like a bit of chili, but mostly it just tastes of sugar. Yeah, um, yeah. That's like oh a, my God. a popular new flavor for like vegetarians it. as well at Christmas. Mm. It's just like often, you know. I come from such a meat-eating tradition that mm. it ends up being like when my brother's girlfriend, <laughs> like Anna, when she comes to Christmas or my cousin Cass, her partner comes to Christmas, it ends up being one of these things where it's like, oh, some more baked cheese bites. Oh, 
Oh, oh, and some more baked cheese. Oh, is that baked cheese? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Is that a baked cheese wheel? <laughs> You've found a different ways. way to, like, <laughs> deliver a different vehicle for baked cheese. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm I'm a carnivore, an omnivore, and I'm always looking for new ways of, of cooking cheese and delivering it to my mouth. But, um, but yeah, it's a tough time of year for a lot of vegetarians mm. and vegans, I think, because, you know, the from what I understand from friends and loved ones there's going to be a lot of occasions when you probably end up with everything but the the bird in the mm, middle mm. assuming it's a bird I, again, I, realized, I think oh sorry no I was going to say I realised I didn't say what I normally have for Christmas dinner oh which yeah which in, in my um, you know secularish household is usually duck because no one really likes turkey very much and so we don't mm. and we're not in sort of thrall to any particular like nobody's holding a whip hand. Like if we don't have this this way, then the world will fall apart. Um, though I think maybe my mom would feel that way about the red cabbage, which is very dear to her heart as somebody with Central European heritage. So you know, there's usual trimmings of red cabbage and roast potatoes. And do we do Brussels sprouts? I'm not even sure we do necessarily. There's a Christmas pudding which almost nobody tends to eat. Mm. Um, uh, brandy butter, which again, like two teaspoonfuls will be consumed, <laughs> and mm. then it'll sit in the fridge for three months. Uh, there's always a Christmas cake. So we do some of the traditional things, but otherwise, for me, it's a Christmas meal is about amazing roast duck that my mum's made and the red wine gravy that goes with it, which is the best probably single substance that, I've, that mm. I can think of is, is duck gravy. So I was just really struck going through the supermarkets about the kind of temporal messiness of of these like festive foods because mm. I've got also really shout out uh, Ben Siddle because he sent me one of the objects that we're going to uncover he sent me that in April of 2021 just Whoa. like I will write the blurb of this your cursed objects <laughs> episode on this product and it just kind of struck me that Maybe it's because of the year that we had, although I suspect not. That, you know, walking through the supermarkets, I was coming across like Maltesers bunnies, you know. So it wasn't mm. just as in like little chocolates that were in the shape of bunny rabbits. So what I'm kind of getting at here is that the seasons feel like they're kind of melting. What I'm trying to say is, was Christmas dinner ever kind of, is Christmas dinner like, is it exceptional on its own? Or mm. is it kind of mirroring this wider trend within super supermarkets, which is just have seasonal fare all year round. Like you can buy Easter eggs from January, you know, have it all year round. And is that kind of like reflective of a temporal messiness, but mm. also maybe because the supermarkets slash capitalism aware that, you know, with climate change, we no longer have seasons. So actually, maybe <laughs> maybe it doesn't matter if we have seasonal fare. It's fine, We've you know? We've eradicated seasons. I'm reminded, it's a really good question. Um, I didn't realise that Easter eggs or similar-ish kind of Easter chocolate was available outside. So you've seen those recently, those Easter bunny Malteser thing. Yeah, I mean, they are delicious. I I mean, I would buy them all. Yeah, Yeah, I'd buy them all year round. Well, I mean, this is part of like, so there's a really great book by B. Wilson called The Way We Eat Now, which talks, among other things, about the sort of the way that our food delivery systems and supply chains are now having to be geared up to provide us, yeah, with like things that just we shouldn't really have out of season basically that it's just insane and but because the consumer demand is there the product is there as well i mean i suppose on a counterpoint brussels sprouts 
I don't have the the figures in front of me at the risk of sounding like a conservative minister, but like I don't have the figures in front of me. But like <laughs> the number of Brussels sprouts that are produced for December versus the rest of the year is like an insane disparity. Um, so there are still some things like that that like everybody buys once in December and like hardly anybody buys the rest of the year. Oh my god, um, no! We we, we buy it. We buy them from like the 1st of December. As soon as it starts getting wintry, oh, right. we're like, we're bang on the sprouts. Until like December the 25th or or, or does that continue? I mean, I think it kind of continues. Okay. It continues for the whole period. But it, I think my family are like not very representative because <laughs> we like, my mum usually gets the Christmas tree. Like she usually gets it around. She has been known to get it on Christmas Eve before. <laughs> really late. And then... <laughs> Some years it stayed up until like not joking, like fourteenth of February. <laughs> oh right. Oh, so it's you start late, but you do go on for a decent whack of time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the sprouts continue forever. Sure, sure. So maybe we're the trendsetters here. Yeah. We're, we're ignoring the seasonal You've cues. The seasons. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm reminded of like I was in Spain once, and this firm that makes these. Um, they're like baby eels. Um, for what, they're, they're fake baby eels. They're basically little fishy mm. bits because they're now not allowed to sell the baby eels because that is, has been banned. So they make them out of like crab sticks, basically, out of little bits of fish. They're available in every supermarket. They're a very popular snack or like aperitif. Like, um, but these things, which I can't remember the name of, I think they're called guindillas, um, which are like little fishy bites. For some reason, they had in a supermarket in March in Spain, they had the regular version, and then they had a Halloween-themed version in March Mm. with, like, orange and black (laughs) kind of, you know, bits of, like, sort of fonts on it and stuff like that and, like, pictures of, you know, pumpkins. And the translating the, like, tagline on this box of little fishy snacks, it said, uh, Halloween special because we celebrate Halloween when we want. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they were basically like justifying the fact they'd made a basically identical product with different packaging for what should be just one month of the year, really. Um, but we're going to continue to produce them for some reason that I just I do not understand. I kind of almost respect it because it's just it's two fingers up to the, you know, like linear temporality that we've been landed with by by our calendar. Yeah, stuff. fuck the calendar. That's what it's saying. <laughs> but um, I do wonder, I just kind of wanted to ask there. Obviously, what we're kind of discovering as we move through this episode Mm. and the food products is that often these foods seem to be made basically just to attract attention and often hideous things like the mince pie cheese. I mean, I don't know, maybe someone likes it. I don't know. But I also saw on social media that Terry's Chocolate Orange did like a promo thing with Hellman's mayonnaise, I think. And it was like a kind of way. Yeah. So I saw it as like a picture. And, you know, some people just, again, it's something that we discussed on our Hinge Bath Bomb episode of last season. This idea that companies are using outrage and the publicity generated from seeing something like sorry what mayonnaise but it's terry's chocolate orange flavored what's going on yeah, you know yeah. and like i actually saw quite a lot of engagement with it which was like this is crazy Quite and it's tweet. Like, this is yeah. insane yeah. yeah i mean it's it's absolutely right like yeah and i think we just the creation of something obviously stupid and or disgusting accompanied by a press release will generate far more coverage than just you know creating a product that's nice and people like you know <laughs> um so why the hell would you do the latter essentially on that note can i just offer you a drink Kasia? i don't know mm. if you if you um, need one right now but... well it is christmas 
Ooh. It's, uh, what is it? So it's a can. Do you know I actually really wanted to try this? <laughs> <laughs> it's a can of uh, Camden Town Brewery's Marmite flavoured ale. 4.8%. Ah, I mean, I'm intrigued to try it as well, but I'm also horrified. Yeah, and I think I just, it seemed like an appropriate moment to give you that. It's, it hasn't technically got any Christmas sort of garlands on it or anything or bows. But it's or something that you might receive tinsel, at Christmas. But it's something appropriately gross and weird that you might receive at Christmas, exactly. <laughs> you look quite upset. <laughs> <laughs> What? Do you is know that... what, though? It's completely against that. You know, the whole Marmite thing is love it or hate it. I just oh. don't think it's very... I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't think it's very good. It's, it just I tastes mean, like I... a bad ale. It, yeah, I really like Marmite. This is fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll have some Missed of that. Miss the mark on that one. We'll have some with the old mince pie Wensley down in a bit. Yeah, to sort of pick up what you were saying about this sort of bad innovation as a like good PR strategy... Let, let's ask the big question which we ask in every episode of Cursed Objects, which is, what is it that, that really that is fundamentally cursed about all these things? And what, why, why do they exist, I suppose, is the other question I want to ask. My, my feeling for what it's worth is that, um, there's a sort of, is that there's a sort of boredom around the consumption, like most of our consumption under late capitalism, that we are used to novelty and when novelty runs out we sort of become frustrated and it's almost like the pro the people working in product design within all of these major international food conglomerates or for these supermarkets just like the customers are just sort of so desperately bored basically <laughs> and that and that so you have to have everything has to be iterated so like like it's almost like you could take a list of 30 christmas flavors right christmas pudding mince pies brussels sprouts pigs in blankets pigs in blankets uh turkey stuffing mm. uh smoked salmon and cre and like blinis or whatever you know like mm. there's if you took the long list of uh advocar maybe is that a thing is that a christmas thing eggnog uh, yeah, of eggnog yeah and if you just cross pollinate all of those if you mm. just iterate do every iteration of those then that will make somebody who is in the supermarket wearily gathering their their haul for like you know family Christmas kind of maybe perk up and go oh I haven't seen it like that before mm. um, and, and and that's how you end up with things like the pigs in blankets pizza from Aldi which has maple glazed turkey garlic and herb infused pork crumb mozzarella and cranberry sauce as well as the pigs in blankets themselves which again is just an attempt to be like. Okay, we've got these 10 flavours. Yeah. What, what can we do with them that we haven't done before, basically? Um, and I wonder that you know, what happens when every iteration has been completed. Mm. When we've had pigs and blankets mayonnaise on our, like, stuffing kind of chips. Um, maybe it's communism. Then it's communism. <laughs> when we've tried all the iterations, which is what makes me think that maybe this is an exciting place to be in politically, yeah. where, like, where, like, there is no hope of any excitement or change from political life mm. so so but you can get <laughs> wensleydale that has been flavored with mince pies so i've got something for you now oh. and this kind of represents exactly what you're talking about things that don't need to be there you know if <laughs> that's, it that's what this podcast is really. yeah if it ain't broke don't fix it but for some reason somebody has decided to fix it <laughs> and it is Rudolph snacks, which is carrots and <laughs> stuffing hummus. <laughs> stuffing hummus. No. 
So. Oh, this is that is actually beyond even what I was able to imagine. But then I don't work in product design for Sainsbury's, do I? Oh my god! So there you go. So, can you remind me what the carrots have been called again? They're Rudolph snacks. They're Rudolph snacks. Carrots and a stuffing hummus. <laughs> Rudolph snacks. Oh my god! It's literally just like a slightly—it's a bit of carrot that's been cut some time ago, and yeah. so has that. <laughs> if you ever, yeah, if you ever make your own sort of crudité snacks at home and then just leave some out, that's what happens to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to think about that hummus. I mean, it's <laughs> can not. Can you taste the stuffing? Yeah, I think you can. Oh my! But I need to. <laughs> Again, I think maybe I like it, and maybe it's appalling. The jury's out on that one. It really does taste of stuffing a bit. Mm. But but then you're like keenly aware that hummus should not taste of stuffing. And I think mm. maybe that's the discordant sort of, you know, note there. So speaking about things being appalling, mm. I think that Christmas is often a time of poor decisions. Um, sure. A friend of mine tweeted recently, he danced with everyone at his Christmas party and he now has to wash himself in Dettol. And then he was like, see you all next year. <laughs> like, hopefully he doesn't see anyone else around the office. You know, there's a lot of bad decisions, often fueled by terrible alcohol choices. Mm-hmm. But after the alcohol, I think that is sometimes when we make our worst decisions. And uh, like I did uh, last week when I decided to get a, a Greg's festive bake. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you know what you're talking about, about all of the iterations and all mm. of the different, you know, different versions. I just don't think that you need to put sausage meat, stuffing, uh, various other bits and bobs in a pasty. You know, <laughs> I, think it, I think you can get away with it in a sandwich. Okay. But because a pasty's soft, oh. you know, but also... Greg's pasties have that kind of gelatinous, disgusting, delicious thing. Mm -hmm. But for that, and I mean, it was just so bad. So I wanted to buy you one of those because I wanted to see what you thought. But I just couldn't, I couldn't buy one again. Right, no, fair I couldn't enough. do it. So. I mean, it was hard enough for me to spend £2.50 on this mince pie Wensleydale, knowing that it would probably... Oh, wow, so what I is got this? You, I, got you a, I got you a Wenzel's. Oh, wow. Yeah, a Wenzel's. That sounds much more legit. Who is Wenzel? Wenzel is like a kind of... I think it's kind of like a bougie... Northwest London kind of bakery. Okay. And um Greg's for Highgate. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, do you know what? I think it kind of started off in like I think it was like Watford and then it oh. kind of came slowly in. Okay. It was in Edgeware, then it was on Mill Hill Broadway. You know, I started seeing <laughs> then it was in Archway. Yeah, yeah. And so... then finally Kentish Town. The <laughs> Kentish Town has been the most recent one. Although I think the archway one is slightly better. But you know, it was like something that I would say to people that I didn't if I didn't really know anything to say to them, mm. didn't really have anything to say, I'd be like, Oh yeah, like, you know, especially if they were like from Northwest, I'd be like, Oh, have you been to Archway recently? It's got a Wenzel's, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Such basic chat that like means nothing. But anyway, I got you a Wenzel's uh, festive bake. Wow. Which I believe well, yeah, what's in is that? chicken. Oh, look, exciting. I think it might be like a kind of tomato spiced chicken. It's sort of a, it's like a, 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 a quite an elegant looking rectangle. This is um, your main, by the way. This is my main course. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i only got you crisps for main, I'm afraid. <laughs> crisps and cheese. That usually is a main for me, so it's okay. Is there like, do you think there's fruit in there as well? It, it does look like there might Disturbingly be Disturbingly like it might be. <laughs> Although as, as we'll <laughs> the fi- Christmas urge to put fruit on everything. Yes, it just stop putting fr- dried fruit on everything. I mean, I suppose it harks back to a period when fruit had to be dried because winter. 
Squirrels, but, something you should Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll get to more of this when we get to the history of mince pies, as I'm going to uh, mm. entertain you with it shortly. But let me first try this Wendell's Christmas Bake. That's actually not bad. I'm a bit concerned that I don't know what's in it, apart from chicken, <laughs> but it isn't bad. I think there's a little bit of potato. I can actually smell it. It's got, mm. it's got strong olfactory. Would you like to try some? Yeah, go on then. But yeah, it's like a chicken and a stuffing and a potato we buy. It's got potato. Yeah. It's not bad. I mean, put, you know, put a potato in a pasty and I'm happy, as I'm sure you are as, a, mm. as someone with Polish heritage. If I had have had this the other day, I think I would have had to get off the bus because I was always <laughs> going to be sick. <laughs> it was quite a traumatic couple of moments where I was just waiting by a bin, just going, oh, no. is it going to happen? Just ran off the 29 bus, oh, just like, oh dear. I'm going to attempt to put some of my festive bake, <laughs> dip my festive... Um, bake into the stuffing hummus mm. and see what happens. Better or worse? Mm. There's almost too much going on there. I think. Mm. <laughs> but we're going to eat like kings for days on, on this. Mm. And what we're going to do with all this fruity cheese? <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. We'll find it. We'll find it. We don't. We are both very much against food waste, so try, don't worry. We will definitely be eating all this rubbish. <laughs> oh, I also got you a, as a snack for your drunken drunken snacks. Sure, I might um, need to just drink. Hang on. Yeah, I think we need open to open another beer if we're going mm. to keep um, to wash down all of this. Because I've got to drink the Marmite beer at some point, but I might leave that a little while. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a bit shook of it. So you know, this is your this is your kind of snack. Okay, um, lovely. In between and it is courses. again, yeah, and it's. <laughs> Doing it the Polish way. It is, again, Sainsbury's, who seem to be a big offender, but actually, mm. Tesco's, have they do pigs in blankets sushi. So I feel like <laughs> Tesco's is a huge offender, but neither of us have a big Tesco's next to us. In what sense is it sushi? <laughs> so just like a layer of sausage on some sushi rice and like a layer of bacon. I, I honestly... I'm going to have to look this up. I just love the chaos of the festive period. <laughs> There's just so much Cha going on. I mean, on. chaos is, I think, you know, I think actually that's a more benevolent view of the crazy product designs um, and the, the idiots like us that end up buying them is that, is that actually we're all just up for a bit of chaos. You know, this is, um, this is sort of the world turned upside down. It's, you know, it's a moment of historic pagan festivity as well as Christian revelry. Which I will get to in a moment. But it's it's the like the feeling of being, you know, at school at Christmas, where yeah. like from basically December the first, you're just watching films and having <laughs> yeah. like parties yeah, and yeah. eating cake yeah. and like just anarchy has yeah. begun. Like the, yeah, the <laughs> in school, the real the real advent is sort of you yeah. Know, it's like the opposite of like uh, Playmobil riot cops. You know, this is when anarchy <laughs> really comes into our school system. Like this is when it reaches us at a young and age. And it's seeded exactly from the youth upwards. Yeah, in fact. <laughs> but here's um, a Brussels sprout and parsnip bargia. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I know. that's so funny. I also think there's just so much like you just they, again they're looking at the board. I know like, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Parsnips. Anyone get any ideas? <laughs> there are no bad ideas. The worse, the better. They look so, so dry. <laughs> yeah, they really do. <laughs> you know that the instant like you've got to imagine the stuff that's in the chiller cabinet as a kind of like ready to eat fare. Oh my um, god, so and, dry. And it is the it is the driest material. If J. Owen's book on dust that I mentioned earlier needs any new case studies, then they could do worse than writing about this food. It's just like a very dry falafel. Both too sweet because of the parsnip mm. and too bitter because of the Brussels sprouts at the same time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't balance <laughs> out. It's just, it's just worse in every direction. 
I guess now is the time that we move on finally to dessert. Oh, please. Yeah. I bought you Although two. I'm worried, to be quite honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bought you two. One is, I think, perfectly apt for dessert, and it yeah. is mince pies flavoured crisps. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> because, like what, you said, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's crisps any, is like a national British pastime, right? So any flavour can be applied to them, however yeah. ridiculous. So you've got some mince pie flavoured crisps. To go with the mince pie cheese. Yeah, and also... I got you some Christmas pudding flavored digestives. Oh wow! Those, yeah. See, that's actually quite impressive. Yeah, and this makes is, sense. Yeah, this is what this is the only one I think that really truly makes sense, and it was recommended by Chat again Ben Siddle, who sent who sent this to me in like oh, April. Amazing yeah, nomination. Yeah, yeah. I, I have for you here some some frosted wine gums, which is mm. I'm afraid the best I could find in my, quite large Morrison's in Peckham. Didn't seem to have any interesting Christmas dessert product design just all of the usual chocolates and sweets with mm. slightly different packaging amazing <laughs> or in this case a little a little dusting of sugar on the wine gum oh and nice little because, shapes there's a like star snow. With oh a hat sorry on. fair point yeah i hadn't actually noticed that but and really a snowman. Let's... We get, i think we i think of all of these we really need do need to try the mince pie crisps because our listeners need to know what they're like yeah and also frustratingly Whoa. neither the Smoked pigs in blank blankets or the mince pie crisps can you buy singly? So I've currently got, <laughs> you got a, 12 you packets. You've made such a major commitment here, haven't you? As I say, uh, ourselves and our, our respective uh, housemates will be eating these for days to come, whether they want to or not. Um, oh my God, that's quite the smell. Does it really smell of mince pies? Oh my God, it really does. Mm. I actually don't hate that. I don't understand it, but I don't hate <laughs> I've it. I've never had an entirely sugary crisp before. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to do. My mouth is very confused. It is confusing because you've got the mm. kind of savoury vegetable oil. Mm. Yeah. But then the kind of cinnamon. It's actually, I actually think. Is it a dessert snack? I don't even know. I don't know is why you'd sweet? eat that. It's kind of got, <laughs> it's kind of got a tanginess, almost like a kind of Worcester sauce, mm. but then a kind of, I actually think. I'm gonna try. Bizarrely. It. I'm gonna try it in the in the hummus um, the stuffing hummus again. <laughs> You're into it. You love it. I just wanna see. Mm. Nope, that wasn't a good idea. That was <laughs> <laughs> no, not a good idea. Do not, listeners, take it from me, do not dip <laughs> your mince pie crisps in your stuffing hummus. Because <laughs> maybe that's the thing. Maybe <laughs> you're just not supposed to mix these. You know, mm. everyone who buys them surely will be like, oh, I'll just buy one packet of mince pie crisps or I will buy, you know, no one has, I don't know how many people do what we do, which is. <laughs> get the which, whole range. Get the whole there range. Be, I mean, look at what, the, look at the sort of lengths people go to with their Christmas jumpers and the lights outside their houses. I'm sure there are, there must be people who make the equivalent level of like hyper commitment in the kitchen. But imagine being that committed <laughs> that you buy such an unlovable bargey as <laughs> the one that we've just tried. I'm like, got to go back and get some more of those. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I guess. It only remains to open the uh, Christmas Pudding McVitie's Digestive Biscuits. Thanks. Thank fuck this is the last thing. I know, I'm actually <laughs> I'm really actually... relieved. I can't wait to just drink some beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not eat this. Okay, I'll just wait for you to get your, your biscuit. Okay, ready? Cheers. Chin chin. <laughs> so far, I'm just getting ordinary chocolate biscuit. Are you? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Nope, there was a little bit of spice. But only in the kind of sense that it tastes a little bit like a digestive mm. mix with a ginger nut. 
I think there's just that little bit of um I mean what what do you what are those sort of desserty Christmas flavors that are traditional sort of allspice mm. little bit of cinnamon nutmeg nutmeg orange peel mm. the stuff that you would put in them like mulling spices from old wine and it's but it's very I mean if you just gave that to me and was like do you want a chocolate biscuit I wouldn't be like whoa put a Christmas pudding in my chocolate biscuit mm. yeah <laughs> underwhelmed mm. subtle though I think the smell is becoming more apparent. I think, think it's, it it's aging like a fine wine. Mm. <laughs> Maybe I should have aerated these. Mm. I think, I think is, to be honest, I'm a bit disappointed in you, Kasha, because everyone knows that you should open a packet of chocolate biscuits an hour before you want to eat them. <laughs> it's just, you know, it speaks to your lack of class, to mm. be honest. So I was, I was curious, um, as we were preparing for this episode, about... Like, okay, what, what is, how far back do these traditions go? Like, how much were they mm. manufactured recently? There's an often told myth, um, or like widely believed myth, I think, that like that Santa Claus was created by Coca-Cola in an advertising campaign. And before that, there was no, there was no such p sort of character that wore red and white anyway. Mm, mm. And that they created the modern version of Father Christmas or Santa Claus. And I, as far as I know, that's not actually true. There were other, really? there were other examples of, in popular culture of like mm. a red and white dressed jolly fat man with a beard um who was and then obviously loads of cultures have their own you know equivalent of like i don't know what is in poland is there a is there saint nick or something yeah on the on the sixth okay. yeah so that's my is, uh, niece and nephew were so actually all of my nieces and nephews were so excited that uh, they all woke up at half two in the morning just like alarm went off in all of their minds at half two in the morning <laughs> On the night of the on the sixth of December, and they just went I, mad I all morning. This. I did this at like <laughs> I think I did this when it, at like three or four a.m. when I was about nine, and I woke my sister up, who would have been yeah. about five, and we're like, we should go downstairs now. Because that's the thing. <laughs> I, we've all done it. And because that, my poor that... grandmother, late grandmother, like entertained us and sent us back to for a bit, and then sent us back to bed. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I did it as well. You know, this kind of <laughs> idea, like maybe I can sleep downstairs, mm -hmm. and then I'll come across like Santa or something, or Saint Nick. You know, it is so. Like, that excitement is so mm. palpable. Yeah. And it's just, I was telling a friend of mine about your cats the other day and oh, yeah. about how at Christmas you always get your cats something. And then, like, you put a picture up of them and it was just like, well, it's about the kids, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> They're, They're the ones the, that really enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> They're the ones that really matter. And actually, I'm really glad you, you reminded me of that because last year I did get them some festive flavoured cat treats from Sainsbury's. So actually this this all this stuff we're talking about actually does ex extend into the realm of food for non-humans as Do well. Do you think it's got more nutmeg? I mean, I'm trying to remember. It definitely had like... It definitely had like snowflakes on the packet because I think I've still got some of them lying around. <laughs> um, but yes, I think it must have had a... No, but why would it have nutmeg spicing? Cats don't like nutmeg. <laughs> like you just just flavor something with cheese or fish, and they'll be happy. Or mm, meat, and they'll be mm. happy. So while I was looking up the 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 history of sort of what constitutes sort of Christmas food, and obviously that varies from country to country, but I suppose we're thinking talking mostly about the kind of British um, notion of of that of that big roast bird, mm. um, whatever that might be, whether that's a turkey or not. And I found um, apparently the first ever recorded Christmas menu dates to 1660. Wow. Um, like the first time we have an actual like full list of what was served. Sorry, uh, can I just ask? Yes. Pigs in blankets, uh, mince pie flavoured crisps, 
the parsnip <laughs> parsnip bhaji yeah, yeah yeah they were all on there yeah yeah, yeah. stuffing stuffing hummus <laughs> must have been there this is tradition must have been there and all washed down with a lovely marmite pear <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that was in fact nothing ever changes that's that's all the lesson from cursed objects um <laughs> In fact, it was it was fairly different, I'm afraid to say. So this book um, called The Accomplished Cook was written by someone called Robert May, published in 1660. I love I love the title, The Accomplished Cook, because accomplished is spelled A double C O M P L I S H T. Accomplished. I did wonder. <laughs> Which is sort of. Phonetic. I did wonder why you were saying that. Yeah. It's like... just very satisfying to read because it looks like it's been written by a sort of 13 year old or something. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so the, in the but like a zine, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Fuck so, your language norms. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was. Robert May's feeling. I mean, I think language was less codified and, and was more slippery at that point, right? But that's maybe. But yeah, so there's a there's a great article in the Paris Review by someone called Edward White, which was called the first Christmas meal published in 2020, and, and talked about Robert May's book from the from 1660. And so I'm going to quote from that Paris Review piece in which he describes that Christmas dinner was, quote, dominated by roast meats and featuring a mince pie. Today's mince pies, a Christmas institution in Britain and Ireland, you need to know that in America, I suppose, are filled with a sickly sweet concoction of dried fruit, fortified wine, mixed spices and mounds of brown sugar. But before the Victorian era, they also contained meat. I mean, I, I think most people know this about mince pies, right? But I'm not, I'm not sure. Did you I, know this? I feel like it's kind of Christmas knowledge that kind of comes... Goes in one ear and out the yeah, other, yeah. and, then, like, oh, really? and then someone says it again. And you're like, oh wow! Every, it's like, every year you get to yeah. be surprised by it. Yeah, it's like the uh, Santa. It's like the Christmas Coca-Cola thing, you know. Yeah. It's like um, one of those urban legends, like uh, Marilyn Manson got his bottom <laughs> ribs removed, and like you know all of that kind of stuff. There's always like a there's always a few things. They just recur of, in the playground. The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And this, <laughs> or, this is certainly one of or them. Or the living room. Yeah. Um, so, but we've got some more specifics here, which is quite nice. So. Robert May in his 1660 book, The Accomplished Cook, suggests numerous cuts of beef. This is in the mince pie. So the mince pie ingredients. Numerous cuts of beef, including tongue, buttock and intestine, mm. or hair, turkey and mutton, among others. In his recipes for a veal-based mince pie, he recommends mixing it with more familiar ingredients, such as dates, orange peel, nutmeg and cinnamon, flavours that are still powerfully evocative of what many of us would consider a traditional Christmas. May's bill of fare for Christmas Day is huge. 40 dishes split across two courses with additional oysters and fruit. Partly this reflects the nature's partly this reflects the nature of May's experience in the service of some of the wealthiest people in the country, and partly it is the Stuart approach to dining. For the first course, the mince pie is served along alongside 19 other dishes including a roast swan, sweetbreads, a boiled partridge, a roast turkey infused with cloves, mutton with anchovy sauce, and a kid with a pudding in its belly. I actually think that sounds quite... I would eat. I would smash, yeah. I would smash. I really would smash. Um, and, then, and then actually in this, in this great Parish Review piece, um, he goes on to argue that, that, that Christmas and Christmas food, um, historically over the sort of, certainly back to the early modern period, Represented a certain amount of like a leveling of a very unequal society. Um, the idea that like Christmas is a time in which we sort of welcome the the, the poor and needy and hungry into our hearts, um, I think shouldn't necessarily be extended backwards to just necessarily take all this at face value. 
though I'm sure the author of the Parish Review piece has done, has done his research. But, you know, basically, let's not get carried away with the idea that there were all these benevolent real-life Scrooges at the top of, like, Victorian society who were feeding their humble, tiny Tims. Mm. Um, but here's what he writes. Throughout the medieval and early modern period, it was common for rich landowners to put on great spreads and entertainments for those in their community. For a few days each year, even many of the poorest people had the chance to eat rich, sweet, fatty foods, to drink plentifully and to experience the exquisite pleasure of a warm fire in the depths of winter. This wasn't seen as a charitable custom so much as a social obligation. Mirroring the moment in the nativity when the three kings bowed down to a baby born in a stable, Christmas was a time when the usual repressive social order was in brief but thrilling ways flipped on its head. Anarchy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a messy period. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Christmas is a messy bitch that lives for the drama. I love it. (laughs) As the historian Diane Perkis explains, this was a season of, quote, licensed openness with a careful structure, unquote. It was universally understood that as soon as the magical 12 days of Christmas were over, the usual order would be restored. In some towns and villages, a Lord of Misrule was appointed during Christmas tide to direct the revelry with freedom to cause irreligious havoc. There were also beloved traditions such as mumming, a sort of trick or treat <laughs> ritual of costuming and performing, sometimes involving cross dressing or mockery of important people. Similarly, wassailing involved groups of singers going to the doors of the rich in expectation of food and drink. Wassailing was not begging, but one half of, of an unspoken social contract. To withhold one's hospitality would be an egregious breach that could result in violence. <laughs> so <laughs> Violence think, full stop. If you yeah. think about the lyrics to that song, it does go, and we won't go until we've got some, yeah. and we won't go until we've got some. <laughs> or else, mister, yeah. <laughs> give us that figgy pudding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I just thought that was an abs- actually a really fascinating piece in the Parish Review. So the first thought that I kind of had was, wow, so I'm... I- like, you know, I made us a ham because we can't actually eat any more of this shit. Thank right? you so, so much. I made us Gracia. a ham. And there's no, like, yeah. there's no Christmas pudding inside. No, 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 <laughs> none at all. But, you know, I was making this and I was putting all of these different kind of flavorings, you know, like, yeah, star anise, cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And it just really struck me as I was doing this that, like, these are ingredients now that you can find in any kind of place. Mm. But it kind of, because I was thinking about this episode, it also struck me that, wow, like, historically, these spices don't really, they're, they're so uncommon in, in the UK. So it was just like, it really struck me that like the food that we're kind of taking the piss out of now is like resplendent in cinnamon and nutmeg and all of these things mm. that you can find anywhere. And it just really struck me as a kind of, I'm trying, I guess, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, well, I, I think- just find it mad that like, I can just like not think about how many fennel seeds I'm using sure. or how many like, cumin seeds I'm using there was just a sense that like I don't know like of excess I guess is what I'm trying to say in terms of sort of the prevalence and availability of particular ingredients I think there's an interesting twist here in terms of what we associate with traditional Christmas flavors and the history of globalization in the sense that absolutely it's easier to get almost any sort of dry or fresh ingredient today you know so much easier than it was even 10 years ago let alone 20 years ago let alone 100 years ago but some of the staples of the christmas flavor palette Mm. and i'm probably going to get these wrong because i am slightly guessing on which ones were sort of brought over in plentiful supply at which point i would hazard a guess that some of the spice roots 
from you know what were British colonies ultimately, such as cinnamon and nutmeg. These have actually been around and cheaply available to a British cook in a British home for longer than potatoes, say. Mm. Um, that some of these emanated, some of these came from the east before potatoes were brought from the west. Mm. Um, and, you know, Tur- I mean, turkeys, uh, I noticed something when I was researching this episode, turkeys were, I think, originate in Mexico. Mm. And they, so the idea that we'd roast that particular bird that wouldn't have even been possible until the 16th century, for example. But I think some of those spices might have been around for longer. Can Mostly I just ask, just, just yeah, on yeah, that, just quickly, I'm just wondering whether there is like a history of colonialism that's explicit in kind of Christmas. I would um, say only insofar as everything we eat is. You know, the mm. history of the history of global trade in food commodities is also the history of mm. of empire and conquest and you know plunder and rape and murder and you can't separate any of those narratives maybe that's a bit of a cop out answer but i wouldn't say i wouldn't say that the christmas table the christmas dining table is any more com- culpable or like tainted you know i mean were we doing a thanksgiving special episode that would be a whole other story <laughs> Um, I feel personally like the problems with Christmas are more more around... I mean, you know, we've been joking about all this stuff. To to turn serious for a minute, you know, this, there is a, like, horrible decadence and waste in the context of, like, an advancing climate crisis and global hunger <laughs> to, to, like, so much of this season. But also, like, let's not... Let's not go around the fact that we also all need festivals and celebrations mm. and hedonism and pigs in blankets crisps. And we never <laughs> we all need pigs in blankets crisps, hummus, uh, you know, <laughs> souffle, whatever else it might be. I mean, I think people have been wondering and worrying about authentic Christmas versus capitalist sellout Christmas for forever, actually. And I was reminded while while preparing for this piece that. I once had to. I once wrote a feature about Mariah Carey's second Christmas album because she needlessly, <laughs> needlessly made a second one with like a version of another version of "All I Want for Christmas Is You" and more Christmas songs, as if one wasn't <laughs> enough. But it was a good opportunity to think about like that particular American post-war kind of creation of like a myth of Christmas that is sort of almost more about defending the nuclear family and it's very cold war and it's very you know it's part of kind of American soft power during Mm. the 20th century and during the cold war is like you know the the sort of dispersing of Christmas culture Bing Crosby albums Mm. Elvis Presley Christmas album um it's a wonderful life you know all this sort of thing it's it's sort of almost as much about sort of you know, this warming fire in the American hearth that is sort of, you know, creating a, a part of a sort of 2.4 children, nuclear family, mm. suburbia, suburbia um, that is sort of really about furthering American ideology um, and reach around the world. There was a Charlie Brown Christmas um, TV special. Because I like, I'm mm. quite, I grew up like reading my dad's sort of peanuts charlie brown and mm. snoopy books and we're very fond of them but there was a cartoon version a video like a film length cartoon version which is very popular in america that was um first screened in 1965 um in which uh and it's sort of it's a morality tale basically and in this in this film um 
like the the kind of hapless protagonist Charlie Brown is fighting to keep a Christmas nativity play from being ruined by like modern affectations by secular kind of fads and mm. by commercialism like he's defending the tradition of Christmas against like you know against sort of both metaphorical and literal baubles and distractions mm. and stuff and trying to keep Christmas pure and for once the the massive loser that is Charlie Brown he actually wins this battle sorry to spoil mm. that for you but like it just shows <laughs> that like that's over 50 years ago mm, mm. that this um that this kind of this this anxiety has been mm. sort of reigning like what is the spirit of Christmas yeah yeah, there are always conversations like, is it about the capitalism? Is it about about the buying of gifts? Mm -hmm. People anguish over this kind of stuff. And I think mainly it's just I, mean, I, I don't know I don't understand how it how it can exist, really. I guess there's like a religious <laughs> like I guess there's like a religious aspect to this. Yeah. And it kind of comes back to that idea, you know, the kind of wassailing and like yeah. turning up at yeah. the Lord Manor's house yeah. or whatever. You know, that idea that like occasionally at our Christmases we set we set an extra table for Jesus. Not really in the expectation that Jesus will come, but the idea that anyone is kind of like welcome. But I just kind that's of That's so lovely. You know that's something that's in the Jewish faith as well, that we do that on Passover. Really? Yeah, we set a set a place at the table for the prophet Elijah, I think it is, you have to set a, a place for. He hasn't yet shown up in all of my Passover so meals. But like, but <laughs> He's got know, lots of invitations. But you never know. And it, but no, exactly, it speaks that same thing. And I think my late grandfather on the Jewish side would was was sort of sort of slightly kind of wearyingly for the rest of the family when he was still alive. He would often just bring home like a random person. <laughs> he, mm. he was like... You haven't got anywhere to eat tonight. Come back, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, we've done that as well. Sometimes our Christmas Eves are like 35 people. I mean, in the pre-COVID era, obviously. Yeah, of course. Just like, you know, it got excessive. But I just like really quickly wanted to say, you know, when you were talking about heteronormativity or you were talking about defending the nuclear mm. family. And I do think how you experience, Chris, you experience Christmas in different ways, depending on your relationship status, depending on your like mm. familial links. Yeah. I was talking to my best friend Gabby about this because her boyfriend recently bought her a advent calendar. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, I want an advent calendar, but I... Like I don't have a boyfriend. I don't want a boyfriend. But I don't have an. I don't. But I can't buy an advent calendar for myself. <laughs> I didn't realize that was like, a thing that you weren't allowed to do. Well, no, you, I mean, did you, you just would have felt embarrassed <laughs> to buy one for yourself. I spoke to her about, it and she was like, "I'm just. When am I gonna? Why? Why would I buy myself an advent calendar? Wow. There is like." certain things that you buy people. I mean, I could mm. buy myself an advent calendar. Because <laughs> oh. only, is that like an unwritten rule? Only parents or a partner can buy re you I an advent calendar. I didn't realise this, but that seems fair. I mean, I've never bought one for like my cousin or a mate or something. That would seem odd, I suppose. I just... my, my nephews have been opening the doors on the advent calendar in they're visiting from Japan and they are very excited about it. They literally cannot wait. Hasn't even got chocolate in. I dare tell them that like <laughs> the good ones have chocolate in or cheese or gin or whatever whatever the hell else. Like yeah, you can that's now get, a whole like, new that's, that's a whole, whole other thing. Area. <laughs> I mean my my feeling about sort of the commerce versus, you know, sort of family values sort mm. of aspects of Christmas or, or charity versus sort of decadent sort of aspects of Christmas is that all of this is encompassed in what may not be the greatest Christmas song of all time, but it's only up there, which is Destiny Child's Eight Days of Christmas. Are yeah. you familiar with yeah, this? Yeah, I know this is your so, favourite. Do you, do you realise yeah. this already? Okay, so like, you know, for Beyonce, Christmas mm. is about all sorts of things. It's 
It's about the eighth day of Christmas when her baby gave to her a pair of Chloe shades and a diamond belly ring. Uh, but it's all, it's about it's about the day when um, my baby bought for me the keys to a CLK Mercedes. Um, it's about it's about it's about you know the person in your life getting you a gift certificate to get my favourite CDs, which is actually really fucking dated, isn't it? Um, but also, do you know what, Kasha? It's about more than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also about a candlelit dinner, just me and my honey, and it's about quality T-I-M-E. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, just, I love I just that. feel that song is just so ridiculous. The video <laughs> is even more ridiculous because it is just them shopping. It's them, it's all three, or possibly even four of them at that point, shopping, because it's quite an early Destiny Child single, shopping with, like, kids looking in through the window unable to get the stuff because they're locked into the shop on their own, I think, Destiny's Child. But then they come out and give Terrifying. the toys to the kids. Oh, or something. right, okay. But yeah, there is this really weird and completely... Like, why should Christmas be romantic? I don't get it. Like, I could see hedoni- hedonism versus piety and, and sort of religious observance. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see people who either think it is really important that you can see your family or indeed find it really difficult for those reasons and and that you know the fact that you know lots of people will not have that um you know it's a time a really painful and difficult and challenging time maybe Mm. they've lost someone maybe because they're not you know they're not close with their family um or there'll be inevitable rows what have you but i don't really understand how it became a romantic holiday. I mean, all the songs are part of it. But, yeah, yeah, I think it all started with "Last Christmas, I <laughs> oh, gave you my heart." That, that is, that is possibly the, the best. The very next day, sleigh bells in the background. You <laughs> gave it away. Nick, sleigh bells, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that. That's probably. What is your favorite Christmas song? Is it that? Uh, for a while, it was "Step Into Christmas" because I love Elton John. Right, I don't think I even know that. Sorry, I have to play it at the party later. Yeah. <laughs> Me and you just eating a ham in silence, listening to <laughs> Elton John. Occasionally looking at the stuffing-flavoured hummus and yeah. sort of pushing it to one side. Yeah, Kind of sounds like heaven. Yeah, me. yeah, that no, sounds great. Past heaven, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've got a ham to eat. Um, and, and some crisps to find a home Camden for. Hell's beer, Marmite-flavoured beer to yeah. drink. It's a mixture of genuine delights and genuine horrors, but we, we wouldn't have it any other way at Cursed Objects HQ. If anyone would like a packet of crisps, uh, <laughs> if you sign up to our Patreon... <laughs> I'll send you some. I'll send you some. That is actually a really good way of combining the fact that we need more Patreon rewards. And, uh, <laughs> and I've got too many of no, these there are, <laughs> there are genuine Patreon rewards that are not themed by terrible Christmas flavours or whatever Christmas foods. Um, we, will, we are producing more and more... Uh, Patreon only episodes, um, and hoping to do a lot more in 2022. And there's also a lot of new free episodes coming soon for everybody. So please do listen, please do check us out on the socials, and please have a bloody Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas. Oh, Vesowish Vyan, that's how you say it in Polish. Lovely stuff. <laughs> I'm off to Midnight Mass. <laughs> Actually, they won't invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> Not after last year.